0: It's good to be back with you. It seems to be ages since I was last here. Uh, I think partly because I was out in uh, Zimbabwe, South Africa, for a block of time. And uh, I was asked earlier, how did it go in Zimbabwe? Uh, some of you may be aware that actually we have quite an involvement in a place just outside of Bulawayo, or actually part of the second city of Zim, Bulawayo. And uh, we've invested as a church community quite heavily into uh, a plot of land in a, an area called Trenance. And on that plot of land, not just the agricultural, but we built a, a school a number of years ago, and uh, which also doubles up as a church building and community centre we We've put a, a house on the side as well. And uh, we just went to see what was going on. And uh, in the school itself, which is actually called an ECD, Early Child Development Centre, it's the preschool. Uh, four or five-year-olds, you have to go to the preschool before you can go up into a junior school. Uh, as a church community now, we're sponsoring, well, in, in the year one and year two, there's 40 children who are now receiving education, but there's another 48 children who have been through the ECD, so now 88 children are being sponsored uh, by the church. It's making a huge impact. So when we just throw the buckets around and uh, just say, oh, you know, if you're a guest, don't worry about it, it there's actually, it, it, our generosity makes an impact in people's lives. It does change people, okay, whether that is influencing and impacting people here in Seaford or whether that is uh, causing change 8,000 miles away into Zimbabwe. So, thank you so much for your ongoing generosity. I do just want to pick up on a couple of things. Uh, I just said to Martin, I might just uh, emphasize this. Uh, Tuesday night is men's night, Wednesday night is is night for the women, and Thursday night is being led by the young people, open to everyone. It's really is uh, with, with a desire that actually we, we're seeking God, meeting with God. So that's this week. Over, uh, I, I know there's a journey. We do appreciate every time that you make the journey across. We understand that. I've, I, I drove over this morning. It, it, it's a long way. I, I got stuck behind about 50 cyclists en route. It, 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 it takes a long time to get here, and uh, really do appreciate that. So Tuesday night uh, for the men at 8 o'clock, Wednesday night uh, for the women, Thursday morning at 10 for those who can't make the evenings, and a Thursday evening being led by the young people. Uh, Martin mentioned that the groups start the week after. The groups actually don't start the week after. It's after into May that all the groups actually kick off uh, because actually what we're trying to do is get into the rhythm of the life of the church. And at the beginning of each term, uh, we're having everyone gather together to be meeting with God, seeking God, uh, you know, equipped by his Holy Spirit. And then uh, we're having an outreach event, which is kind of the quiz night, then the United event, and then we're into the program called Groups. Groups are not just a side product. They're right in the heart of the community of what we want. Groups are a place to belong, increasingly in society that we're living in. Uh, people are saying uh, where do I belong actually groups are an ideal place for people to belong whether that is cycling or whether that is into the life groups or whatever and all the groups are available into the identity booklet, it's not just uh, the ones that are in Seaford, you can go to any if you don't mind doing the the journey then you can go to any of the groups with one church and we'd love you to be a part of that so that's just a little bit of information then of course on the 1st of May really look forward to seeing you at the Congress Theatre, we had a brilliant event last year uh, Jez was incredibly enthusiastic about the number of people who turned up ahead of time uh, to, uh, to arrive at the Congress Theatre, and he just went en masse last year, so he's hopeful that you'll repeat that this year. Uh, we're just uh, kicking off a new teaching series at the moment called uh, The Heart of Celebration, and uh, Jez was speaking last week about uh, the resilient, the determined heart And uh, in this teaching series, we'll also be looking at uh, a a childlike heart pursuing faith, and uh, you know, faith-based optimism. Maybe we'll be also looking in at what a prepared heart is. Challenging a what we've got here, challenging non-responsive and lethargic approach to worship. John read an amazing passage right at the start of this morning. What a God we have! And now fortunate we are, we have him, this father of our master Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead. We've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over as the day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. And there was zero response in the room to that incredible passage that was being read. Now, internally in your heart you might have responded. But my encouragement is to dig deep and allow that inner voice to reach your actual voice and actually show some enthusiasm for this amazing gospel that we have. Because the very next verse says this, I know how great this makes you feel. I'm not sure I know how great this makes you feel. So, my encouragement, and it is an encouragement because it, you, you could misunderstand and see this as a nag. It, it, my encouragement this morning is for us, the people of God who have it all in God, actually allow ourselves to celebrate and rejoice with the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Mmm. Okay, I'm just going to say that again. Why don't we, as the people of God, who have it all in God, allow ourselves to express the celebratory heart that we have to say, thank you, Jesus, because we have everything in Jesus, and that is good news. Hmm? Right. Okay. Next week, will you surprise Jez? Okay. And when someone says God is good, you go, yes! Sorry, I just made him jump sorry he's not used to noise on the sunday morning okay please because we have it all in the gospel and the danger is that we just slip into and we call it personality the danger is our personality can get in the way of us being genuine people who wanting to celebrate the goodness of god if you are in christ now, now i understand some of you are exploring spirituality and christianity You have a pass, okay? You can sit in on the sideline, you can look in, and you can observe. And one day, if if it kind of reaches into your heart and into your head, you will be making a noise as well. But if you are in Christ, which is what the whole of the Essence series was about a a few weeks ago, about everything that we have in Christ okay? The fact that we're now saints in Christ and that we're now children of God, that we're we're now being made new in him, that we now have a brand new start, that we now have forgiveness, that we're now... All these things, if that is who we now in Christ, can I encourage you, please, let's be careful that we don't slip into passivity in our response of worship to Jesus. I think I might preach on this one week, not necessarily this week i got myself into trouble last week on the friday we i don't know if you saw this on facebook we we put out a a notice an information slot how excited we were that there was a guest speaker coming to did you see this anyone see this and it was like it, it was put out on april the 1st okay which possibly should have given some hint okay and really expectant and and and, you know we're really looking forward to this guest and andrew would come on and go this person has just changed our life on and steve blaber came on and says i had the privilege of meeting this person one time a long time ago and it changed and and, uh, you know these people coming in actually what it was we were just lining people up to say the special guest this week is jesus I think it was a really awkward moment when we announced that because people had to look as if they were enthusiastic without looking disappointed. (laughs) Jesus, yay, not Cliff Richard, or all the other things that people were speculating about who the guest was going to be. And, uh, you know, kind of like, I think people got it. Most people. One and a half people actually left the church as a result of it, but it was, you know, which is sad. The half a person recanted to their, you know, retracted their resignation and have come back. But the one person has said, no, no, you you, you misled us. So I got myself into a little bit of trouble. And I I hope that the heart of it, because actually the question I'm looking at today is the heart of expectancy. Okay, how many of us actually turned up today believing that God was going to do something? Amazing. What is God going to do? I, I will often turn up in a context of church, uh, and I lead it, and I'm not overly convinced. Sometimes I have to wake myself. I have to stir myself. I have to, come on, Graham, wake up a little bit. What, 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 what's going to happen today? And I've got to stir faith, and I've got to stir a belief that God is about doing something, and am I living with that level of expectation or anticipation? Are we supercharged or super bored? Do I have zero levels of faith, or am I rising in levels of faith that God is about doing something? A number of years ago, uh, well, actually, not even a number of years ago, I have this thing called uh, a bucket list, what I'm going to do before I kick the bucket. It came out as a result of a film a few years ago uh, titled The Bucket List. And, and people would write on this thing everything that they want to achieve. Okay? And one of those things on the list that I would practically love to do is whitewater rafting. And I've tried on a number of occasions to go whitewater rafting. On the first occasion... Uh, We went to one of the best places in the whole of South Africa, so they say, to go whitewater rafting, to find that there was zero water in the river. Zero, okay? This was as a result of a dam further upstream that had been switched off and diverted. There was no water in the river. We went to another place in Italy, up in the hills, and uh, they said, oh, you must go. We even got the wetsuits on at this point and the dinghy in the water, which was at this point a massive six inches of water. You cannot whitewater raft in six inches of water. You can do extreme paddling, but not a lot else. And then the other place we visited Zimbabwe, and uh, Vic Falls is meant to be one of the top ten places, not just in Africa, but the whole world where you go whitewater rafting. And there was way too much water, and uh, so we've had no water, too little water, way too much water, could not go whitewater rafting. One day I will get to go whitewater rafting. But there was an anticipation, an expectation, a hope, which was saying, oh, I lost it. But what is my hope for in what I want to achieve in God? Uh, I was sitting down with a group of young people recently. What's my gospel bucket list? What, what would I be... What, all those things that I set out to do years ago for God, how many of those things have now been ticked off? Or how many have been shelved? How many have just got dusty? How many of those things which are, like, oh, I really want to do this for Jesus? Oh, what was it again? Oh, yeah, I got married, then had a family, and then got into work, and then started to pay mortgages and... All of that, like, what? Was oh, what was it? What? What is my gospel bucket list for Jesus? What do I do? What do I set out? Every expectation, anticipation. What am I doing now? Which I'm doing too much of, where I should be cutting down on, in order to focus somewhere else. How am I spending my time? How am I spending my resources? How am I spending my effort? Am I doing what God is wanting me to do? I love the development of. Uh, kind of like some of the cultures that are going on in the, in the life of the church, uh, being a welcoming community. I, I, I kind of make it that I want us to be the most welcoming community in the whole of Seaford. Th- that, that, for me, is... I know we're kind of getting somewhere when King's Church here in Seaford is actually known as the most welcoming community in the whole of this town. where Whoever you are can come. Whatever history background, Jill mentioned it in the prayer that actually, you know, those who were born here, those who were not born here, that actually we're welcome. Why? Because it's an expression of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Okay, here's another moment to get excited about the gospel. At one point, we were outsiders. At one point, we were, in effect, immigrants. At one point, the, the barriers were closed. And then suddenly, because of Jesus, the barriers came up and we were invited into the kingdom of God. That's good news. And so I want us to be reflecting the gospel by being the most welcoming community where everyone is welcome, regardless. Regardless of history, background, lifestyle, upbringing, regardless of that. Why? Because I've been welcomed into the kingdom of God regardless of my history and my background. Other expressions of the culture, of one of generosity. I want us to be known as the most generous community in the whole of Seaford. I love that overspill of generosity. You know Why? Because it's a reflection of the Father's heart towards us, who just wants to be const, constantly, exceedingly generous towards us. And, and I'm seeing that, and I'm, and I'm picking up stories, and, and, and the stories within this group of people here, where they actually go, God, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be generous, I'm, and I'm letting go of this thing, and as we let go of something which we've held tightly onto, whether it's finances or resources, we've let go of it, and suddenly it's gone, and then God comes in and fills it in again because this underlying belief is that we're living a blessed life and we cannot outgive God. And the only way that we understand we can't outgive God is by letting go of stuff and then God coming in and, and filling in. There was a bloke who I was with a few weeks ago. He said, Graham, I've heard about your five-pound story. I don't have a five-pound story. And he said, well, you go, what's your five-pound story? My five-pound story is this. that One day, uh, we were so short of money, a young family, very expensive time of life, and I just cried out to God. I said, God, I don't even have five pounds to take my wife out for a drink. Genuine cry out to God. I didn't have five pounds. And uh, about 30 seconds later, I had to leave the house, walked out the front door, and right there in our gatepost outside our front door was a brand new, crisp five pound note on the floor. And God said to me, In that moment, you can trust me in the small things and the big things. You can believe me for these things. And it changed me. I said, and this bloke said, I don't have your five pound story. But anyway, he went, it, it, we went out to Zim. We were. A late call to buy some football boots or to take football boots out to Zimbabwe. We are setting up a football team. And uh, and we said, oh, have you got any football boots to take out? And this bloke said, you know, what? I kind of want to get in on this generosity thing. So we went into a shop. Rather than donate a second hand, he bought a brand new pair of football boots. And they were cost £45. So quite a decent pair at 45 pound and he said i just wanted to bless someone in zimbabwe who would never have maybe the opportunity to have so he went out bought a pair of 45 pound and he needed some shoes for himself so he picked up another pair of shoes which were fairly expensive got to the till and then they put the scanner on it and the shop lady uh, shopkeeper said i don't understand it these these shoes have been reduced i I didn't know they were going to be reduced they've been reduced significantly reduced how much have they been reduced? They've been reduced by 45 pounds. And his was going, I've now got my own five pound story. Or oh, 45 pound story. B- because in effect he said, no, I'm going to give this. I'm doing this over here. He had no expectations. suddenly 45 pound was redeemed back into his account. You go, oh, that's an amazing coincidence. That's a good news story. Okay, so, so this sense of generosity, culture of generosity. Uh, the adventurous mission is part of that. Uh, over in Eastbourne today, we've got Eddie from Albania, a, a, a pastor who we've been supporting out in Toronto, capital of Albania, and, and he's over for a few days. Uh, we sent a whole group of people off to Albania, and the average age of the people who went to Albania last year, 71 years of age. Leading the way in how to live adventurous lives, demonstrating to me, keep on going, keep on running, keep on uh, you know, going out on mission. In a couple of weeks' time, over at the Congress on the 1st of May, uh, you'll be seeing a video of a chap called Luke. Luke, a year ago, wasn't a Christian. And uh, actually, February last year, he wasn't a Christian. And then he, he, he would actually say he was an atheist, and he was challenged to go along to something called Alpha. Alpha is this informal introduction to what Christianity and faith is about. And so he went for the challenge and kind of went along to it for a few weeks and then one evening he felt, which he would have denied feeling, but he felt that God spoke to him and said, go home, go to sleep, I'm going to speak to you in a dream. Young guy, 22 years of age, atheist. So he went home, fell asleep and God came to him in the dream. He woke up and became a Christian. Uh, Now... So he went through Alpha, went through Alpha Plus. Alpha Plus is like for those who failed Alpha. And uh, it's a joke. That's not true. Yeah, okay. Alpha Plus is the next bit on. And then on the back of Alpha, we got something called Rooted. Rooted is now kind of that way into the life of the church. How you feel your part, how you play your part, what church membership is all about. And he came along and Rooted. He didn't, he didn't get to the end of the Rooted course because he was relocated. He got a job up in London, moved up to London and moved into a real tough house kind of housing estate right in the city center of liverpool and now he's opened up his house young people are coming along he's sharing the gospel with them he's involved in their lives he prayed with a a, a young guy a few weeks ago who was healed that night and and this story is coming out on the first of may a year ago he just didn't believe in jesus a year later he's now serving his purposes god gets hold of our lives turns us around and that's a good news story good news news. it's good okay and it just yeah, an adventurous mission but what is god doing how do we hear from god how do we how do we know what god wants us to be doing how did luke know to go off to liverpool well sometimes you can dreams and visions and sometimes it can be like a big voice booming out of nowhere sometimes some of you might have an appearance of god <laughs> not many whatever it is it's a sense of god what is it doing i want to be open and I kind of want to have my ears open enough and ready enough to hear what the Father's doing. Actually, it's what Jesus said. I, I can only do what I see my Father doing. Actually, I want to be in a place where, God, what are you doing? What, what's my Heavenly Father doing at this point? What is it that you're about? Because opportunities are all over the place. And you go, I don't, I never get opportunities. Opportunities are there all over the place. But my wife will go off to Tesco's. I will go off to Tesco's and I will, my sole purpose in going to Tesco's is to see what yellow sticker bargain food item I can buy. Okay? If I come back with a reduced item, I know that I have achieved something. Okay? Now, Blinda goes to Tesco's with a different mindset. She goes to Tesco's looking for the opportunity who she can share the gospel with. she she takes hours sometimes she only went up to get a pint of milk and 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 she's like oh who did you bump into well because she's just living with the anticipation expectation that an opportunity will come up opportunities are there we just need to be in a place where we say i wonder what the father's doing right now jesus said that so if you've got your bible turn with me to matthew we do not have the slides coming up because I'm going to cover in the next five hours five chapters of the book of Matthew. And uh, so, have you got a Bible or so electronic version of it? People are trying to find the electronic versions of it now. I've got it on here somewhere, and someone's got a real Bible, and some of you will trying to convince me that you know it off by heart right now. And hmm, that's right. Yes, yes, Graham, I know exactly where you are. And uh, sometimes, because we usually put it up on the screens, we get caught out like moments like this. And uh, chapter 5 of Matthew, we're not going to linger long in chapter 5, but it says Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them. Okay, he taught them. And then, actually, chapter 5 and chapter 6 and chapter 7, if you're a Christian, you'll be familiar that that is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, it's what kingdom living looks like, it's what new culture looks like. Jesus was coming in, bringing his new manifesto in. This is what new life is going to look like. You know, the, the life that we just read that John started off the, the meeting talking about. This is the life we have it now, and we have it in the future. This is the life that Jesus has been talking about. Okay, so there's three chapters, five, six, and seven, and the beginning of chapter eight. Okay, when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. Okay, so the timeline—it's it, the same timeline. He's up the mountain. He delivers this very long manifesto or, uh, you know, talk to to the people who are listening in, and he comes down from the mountain. What I want to do is do a little bit of a road map, a a road journey, okay, on the road with Jesus. And so chapter 8, he comes down from the mountain, and immediately a man with leprosy comes to him and said, if you want to, you can make me clean. So all day at teaching. He's been on the mountain. People are impressing in, demanding stuff of him. He comes down from the mountain. When you've had a long day in the office, okay, the last thing you want is someone push, pushing in on you. The man with leprosy pushed in on him and said, Jesus, if you want to, you can clean me. You can, you can get rid of this awful disease in my life. And Jesus said, of course, I want to be healed. And he was. And then he went on from there and entered Capernaum in verse 5. Okay, please try to keep with this if you got not because I will lose my place in here, and I need your help to tell me where I've got to. Because when he entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him and said, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. Just say the word. Okay, the centurion arrived, say the word. You can command my, my servant to get up and he'll get well. And Jesus was kind of like, he was impressed with this centurion. He said, you know, this faith that you've got, just say the word because I'm under authority, I understand what authority. So Jesus said the word. He's going to be well, he's going to be healed. The centurion then goes back, finds out that the servant got well, and you see this at the back end of that little passage, verse 13 uh, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, timeline continues. Down the mountain, man with leprosy, and the centurion, Jesus walks into the house uh, where Peter's mother-in-law is sick. Jesus sees that she's sick. She's ill, in bed, with a fever. And uh, he goes to her, touches her head, and uh, the fever leaves her, and she gets up and starts to prepare a meal for them. At that moment, there's lots of knocks on the door because other people in this particular town have come and heard that Jesus is there. The people who have got like, unclean spirits in them and have got diseases, sicknesses, are knocking on the door and it says that Jesus heals them. It, it, the, tr- op- it, the parallel passage in Luke, it's just a, it just healed everyone. So that was the end of the day. Assuming he had some sleep. He We then pick it up at uh, verse 18. Now, when Jesus saw a great crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And uh, so he gets into a boat, goes out into the boat. He's feeling pretty tired, understandably, at this point. And so he's going over the, the sea. And then, if you're familiar with the story, a great storm kicks off. And the disciples in the boat uh, come to him and, and wake him up. So they're terrified that the boat is going to get swamped with water. They're going to drown. And they come in and, Jesus, wake up. Don't you care? Don't, don't, do, don't you understand? Do something about this. Jesus wakes up, stands up, says to the wind, says to the, to the waves, be still, be calm. And immediately the wind goes and the sea is calm. They reach the other side, they get to the other side. And as they, in effect, put their feet onto solid ground again, uh, they're attacked by or uh, come charging at them two men who have got demons inside them jesus doesn't stand for this orders the demons to leave and uh, the demons leave jump into the pigs the pigs jump into the sea and the people in the town close by come out to jesus not to listen to the jesus but in this instant they say jesus we don't want you here please leave so jesus leaves gets into the boat crosses the other side without a storm on this occasion and lands back on the other side and then chapter 9 again to the boat he crossed over came to his own city And behold, there, people brought to him a man who was paralyzed, lying on the bed. Jesus saw the faith and said to the man, man, your sins are forgiven, get up and walk. (laughs) That caused quite a reaction, uh, especially to the religious people. Who is he who can forgive sins? Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, get up and walk. The man gets up and he walks. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew. Matthew, a tax collector, was not liked man would not have liked to have been liked. Jesus didn't mind associating himself with him. In fact, goes back to his house, ends up having a meal with him with other people who are like Matthew, the tax collector. Uh, From verse 14, there's a little bit of in-house teaching and training for the disciples, the followers of Jesus. He sits them down and talks to them a little bit. And then in verse 18, while he was saying these things to the disciples, a ruler came into his house, knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died. Please come and lay your hand upon her. Uh, because she will live. Imagine the desperation in the father. If there's any hope, just lost his daughter. If there's any... Uh, oh, it's just the worst scenario. Jesus said, come on, I'll go with you. En route, as he was walking towards this man's house where the daughter had died, There's another lady who's pressing in through the crowd. She's saying, There's Jesus. If I can just get to Jesus, then I know this blood disorder, this blood issue that I've had for years, I know if I can just get to Jesus, then I will be healed. She presses through, pushes through this great crowd and manages to reach out and grab hold of the, the hem of his clothing. And immediately she's healed. And Jesus stops and says, who's just touched me? And people say, there's lots of people around you. They're just pressing in on you. And said, no, no, someone touched, grabbed hold of me in, in a different way. I, I felt the power of God go out of me. And this woman came forward and explained her situation. And this lady gets healed. Jesus then goes, great. Love you. God to leave you. I've got to move on because there's a little girl who's died. And this is dad. I'm going with dad now. Reaches the little girl's house, goes in, sends the mourners away, and raises the girl back to life. And then verse 27, as Jesus passed on from there, still the same timeline. Two blind men came to him and said, Mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind men came to him and said, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? He said, Yeah. And he touched their eyes, and their eyes were opened. And verse 32 And as they were going away, same timeline, behold, a demon oppressed man who was mute, not able to speak, was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the man spoke. And Jesus went through all the cities and the villages. And when he saw the crowds, he had great compassion because they were harassed and helpless. And he said, the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then the very next chapters, very next chapter talks about sending out of the Jesus followers into the surrounding towns and villages. Preaching the gospel. That is an amazing Sequence of events. I can only do what I see my father doing. It, we're encouraged to go on a road trip. We're encouraged to go running or walking with Jesus. So I want, I, I want more days like that. <laughs> I, I don't know, am I alone in that? I, I want to have a day with Jesus like that. So we go down from the mountain and there's people with leprosy and blind people and paralyzed people and waves are calmed down and people raised a lot. I I wouldn't mind just a hint of a day like that. My guess is that others want something more like that. Rather than, is anything going to happen today, maybe? Why am I going to Tesco's to get some reduced chicken Or to see God move, to see lives impacted, to see turnaround, to see some wins, to see some victories. Back in the 1990s, a number of you would have been around then and been Christians. And there was some strange and profound events which were affectionately referred to as the Toronto Blessing. The power of God was there. and People would get on coaches and drive a long way to meetings where you experience the power and the presence of God. And then in the mid-90s, there was something called the Pensacola Outpouring, where people would jump onto airplanes and, and, and head off to America and, and go and visit the revival that was taking place. And then in the early part of the, uh, the, 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 the noughties, a bloke called Todd Bentley in the Lakeland Revival in Florida and then there was other things that were going on in a place called Bethel and then in 2013 there was a revival that was taking place in Cumbran in Wales yeah. and then in 2014 more recently in Coleraine in Northern Ireland and people were getting in cars and trains and automobiles and heading off to these places storm chasing to go and find where the presence of God was I remember queuing up to get into a building in the 1990s because I had a high level of expectation of what, what God was going to do. And there's a couple of things I've learned looking back or reflecting. Firstly, you need to have a cool name if something's going to happen. Okay, so it's got to be called the Toronto Blessing or Pensacola Outpouring or the Lakeland Revival or something which sounds pretty cool. Okay, so I don't know, the, the Seaford... It, I don't know, experience. And... need to come up with a cool name. But it's also coming up with a heart of expectancy. What is God doing? What am I doing? Because I don't want my life to head down kind of like the boring route. So as we read right from the very beginning, we have it all now. We have life now. So I don't want to go into what I've affectionately referred to as Boringville. I kind of want to live in more Kingdomville. When Paul, one of the early church leaders, went out and about on uh, his missionary journeys, he ended up in a, a city called Ephesus. And he says he went along to the synagogue and he spent months in the synagogue, three months. And he, he wanted to bring revelation of who Jesus was to the Jewish believers. He then went on from there, went into the Hall of Tyrannus, which was the secular venue, and spent the next couple of years trying to persuade the people of the city uh, about the truth about who Jesus is, was. But it says in chapter 19 of Acts, verse 11, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul, verse 20, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. I I looked up, we don't often use the word prevail. When when was the last time you used the word prevail? I suspect not very recently. So uh, it says, and the increase and prevail mightily. I had to look it up. It says to win through, to triumph, to succeed. Don't you just want to win occasionally? Don't you want to succeed? Don't you want it to be, yes. Jesus won on this occasion. We, we see so much of the work of the enemy. and You go, oh, we're praying for this, but we have little expectation. And then suddenly something happens. You go, whoa, we got one. God came through. It, it, it's that sense of winning that, that oh, God, I want to see more wins. And in order to see more wins, we, I need to cultivate a much higher level of expectancy that God is actually going to do this. Expectancy in our church and expectancy in our community. See, not just here. It's not just about us gathering together here to queue up into a building, to get here on time in anticipation and ready. It's not just about that. There is a context where I want the power and the presence of God to be in an environment like this that builds us with confidence and builds us with faith in order to go. But the reason is to go, like Jesus sending out the 72. He's sending us 72 out and saying, Go. Go. It's not for just in here. And some of my, my concerns with some of the revival expressions that have happened in the past, it just seemed to be an expression where the church community gathered and had an encounter with God. But the reason why there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost was not to keep it within the confines of the room, but to spread out and to go out from here. And the calling on us is not to be restricted by the confines of this room to the power and the presence of God, but to go out from here in this community for the community because i want people in this community to understand and to see something of the nature of who our god is because i want them to taste and experience and encounter who he is so to live adventurous lives so the question is where are we going to live because some of us are living in a postcode which is probably more akin to Boringville than Kingdomville. And my encouragement and the journey that I'm on is, is, is to relocate out of the postcode of Boringville and relocate into a new postcode called Kingdomville. Imagine this half of the room. No, which half of the room? Yeah, this half of the room. This half of the room is Boringville where nothing ever happens. There's no healing, there's no people set free, there's no expectation, because there's no expectation, there is no disappointment. Welcome to Boringville. And over here we have Kingdomville. You see. You see the difference right there. That is Kingdomville living. Right? so kingdomville do you know what and kingdomville is where people are healed where people are set free it's where people are filled with joy it's where they're experiencing the justice of the kingdom of god it's where they're finding freedom this is kingdomville do you like kingdomville yes so what is your encouragement kingdomville for people who are living in boringville Come over. Okay, so the barriers are open. There's no immigration. You're fine. You can come on through. We want to reach out. We want, because why? Because we've been called to live a life which isn't boring, but to live a life in all of its fullness. And the expression of fullness is seeing the power and the presence of God and and seeing lives affected and transformed and changed. See the impact of what the kingdom of God looks like. It's what the manifesto of Jesus looks like where people are healed, where people are set free, where, where people are liberated from, from the history and the shame of the past, where people are understanding what justice is, where salvation is coming. That, that is what kingdom is like. And do you know, honestly, I don't want to live over here. I do want to live over here. I, I want to live because you, it's not just that you're a nice bunch and but nicer. But it's not it's nothing about niceness. This is about what the kingdom of God can look like. And I found myself preaching this last week in Kingdomville and Boringville, and I ended up getting really cross with the people sitting over here. And I had to stop myself going, it's just an illustration. Because I, I kept finding out, you lot, why are you living it? Why are you, come on, you're so, don't, come on. And I was getting cross about it. And they were saying, no, I just happened to be sitting here. It was just, I sat on the wrong side this week. Okay. Okay, it, obviously it's a metaphor. But behind that is that where are we going to live? This series is called the Heart of Celebration, and it's a heart thing. It's not just about getting into great, great theological kind of like insights. There's a heart thing here. Is where do we want to live? Because I don't actually want to live in Boringville, where I can get cheap, reduced chicken at Tesco's. I want to live, God. What, what's the Father doing today? Live with expectation. Live with anticipation. Why is this train delayed? Why is this traffic like this? Why? What do you do, Father? Is this you? Are you, are you up to something here? Why is this conversation going down this track? Why am I bumping into this person repeatedly? Why, what? Father, are you doing something here? And let me have ears to hear what you're doing. And then the, so I preached this in Central last Sunday, and I came out of Central, and I was crossing a road, and there was an elderly lady also trying to get across the road, and I walked right past her, and God said, why don't you go and help her? And I said, I've got to go and preach the word of God to someone else. And so I walked right past her and said, why don't you go and stop and speak to her and help her across the road and do that? And went, okay, why not? Stop, turn around, go back, chat with her, help her across the road. Father, are you doing something here? And it's living with that anticipation, expectation. I don't want us to live in Boringville. I want us to move to Kingdomville and see the kingdom of God breaking out and touching and affecting, impacting other people's lives. See, I don't want to live a boring, mundane, non-adventurous life. Surprisingly, I'm I'm right in the middle of middle-aged right now okay so people try to define middle age as people who are like 75 middle age okay uh, uh, average life expectancy of a bloke is about 80 okay so once i reach 40 39 and a half i think actually so anyone above 39 and a half welcome that is midlife okay yeah, sorry um, I, I don't want to cause upset or offense i'm just bringing clarity right now to to delusion that people are living under Uh, For women, it's a little bit higher, 41 midlife. Okay, so if you're 41, you're fine. Above 41, you're old. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, in the Daily Mail on the 15th of March, no, Daily Express, on the 15th of March, they announced that the official age for old age is 85. That's the official line on that one. So if if anyone's 85, some of you are in excess of 85... If you're not in excess of 85, well done. You're not old yet. Okay. If you are over 85, well done for being old. Okay? So I'm really running. Really, uh, it's not in my notes at all. This is where I get into myself into trouble. Okay. I find too many people of my age, midlife. I'm 47. Okay. Too many people of my age making stupid decisions. Ten years ago, they would have said, I'll never make those decisions. And they call it midlife crisis. Midlife opportunity. I want to live my second life being more adventurous than my first half. I want my second half of my life to be better than my first half. I want to learn the lessons from the first half so that I can bring those into the second half of my life, so I can conclude the bucket list that I've set out to do, and I can achieve everything that God has called me to achieve, so I can be everything that God has wanted me to be. And my responsibility as a pastor of a church is to release you into everything that you have got calling upon your life, everything that you have got, God has got for you in your life, whatever your age. So we don't live in... Boring, feel. We start to explore kingdom, Phil. Live life on the edge. Taking the risks. Completing the bucket list. Encountering more of God in ways I've never known before. See more healings. verified, bona fide concrete healings and miracles. Lead people to Jesus. See people liberated. Giving everyone every opportunity to meet Jesus. And leave such a legacy on earth that it reverberates well into eternity. The importance of legacy so as we come to a conclusion now and I'm 7 minutes 33 minutes over for my anticipation of what I was anticipating speaking I want to come with a heart challenge Wh- where are we going to live I don't just want to fall out with you lot okay. you've got it right you're good, well done, it's not like that it's a heart thing that want our hearts to relocate and sometimes what can stop us is disappointment uh, resentment lacking faith unbelief unbelief can come from the fact that i trusted god one time and it never kind of happened i prayed for someone and it got worse or nothing happened And sometimes unbelief can get in the way and disappointment can get in the way and and apathy can get in the way and comfort can get in the way. I'm actually quite comfortable where I am one day. I might move there, but for now I'm quite happy here. It can be uncomfortable moving. You know how inconvenient it is having to box up everything and load it up. And then We moved house eight years ago, virtually to the day, and we moved 250 yards, but we still had to load up the van do 250 yards in a the van, then unload it again. It's inconvenient. It's costly. But it's worth it. So where are we going to live? Next week, can you surprise Jez by incredible enthusiasm in your responses? Just, just catch him out when he makes some half-enthusiastic comment about the gospel. Yes, that's right, Jez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Confuse him okay let's not be lethargic in our response but if you are a christian in christ today let's be people who are willing to make the journey into kingdomville john do you want to uh, come on down let's finish off our time why don't we just stand together and to pray i'm well aware that today's really been a message for the christian here if you aren't a christian here honestly i think the best life is in christ And amazing life in Jesus, we'd love to introduce you to him if you're a Christian here today why don't you just spend a few seconds thinking where are you going to live because it's coming with an expectancy and that anticipation to say I'm going to live my life the days of my life the months of my life or the years of my life saying God whatever it is I want to live them, actually, for you. I don't want to be boring. I don't want life to be boring. You never designed my life to be boring. I don't want to settle for comfort. I don't want to live and dwell in unbelief or disappointment. But I don't want to live life to the full and maximum that you've promised. So, Father, we come before you, and I pray that I will stand here as someone who genuinely is on a journey to a new location, a new postcode. And I will stand here with many people who say, Do you know what? I want to live where you want me to live. So I go from here, not heading back to where I've come, but heading towards a new destiny and a new destination. That lives will be impacted as a result because we're hearing what the Father is saying. Help us to walk into Tesco's and into town and into shops and into different contexts and be open to the Spirit of God whispering to us. So that we bring the revelation of who Jesus is to people. And pray for that. Help us to move. Some of us need to almost physically move. In our attitude and our opinion. To say, I don't want to live in Boringville. I'm choosing to live in Kingdomville. So please help us on that journey in Jesus' name. Amen.